Hello, and welcome to what you know is already coming. The Rangers got their asses thumped on Monday night against a Pittsburgh team that actually looked like it wanted to play hockey on Monday, unlike the Rangers, who looked like they wanted to play hockey for about 10 minutes and then decided they were content to skate around at half speed, lose every single puck battle, and slowly get picked apart by a less talented team that just has a better coach. But... Before I get to today's very depressing, frustrating, what-the-fuck-is-going-on kind of episode, we gotta take care of business. You know, all that good stuff. Number one, wherever you like to get your podcasts, please make sure you're subscribed to the show. The show is available on all of your major podcasting platforms. Number two, if you are using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please, please, please take the extra step once you've subscribed to the show and leave it a review. On Apple Podcasts, once you've hit that plus sign in the top right corner to subscribe to the show, you're going to scroll down past the last couple episodes. Then, underneath the panel where all the episodes are, you're going to see five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, Write a review. If you could be so kind as to leave a few words... That stuff matters a lot. It really helps content creators like me out. I say it every episode. I'll say it again. If you enjoy somebody's content, especially if they do it for free, wherever you see it, please give it the feedback it deserves. Whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, wherever you see somebody's stuff you like, interact with it, please. That stuff matters. It helps content creators out a lot. Okay. I was going to do more in the preamble, but this isn't going to be a long episode. Let's just get to the misery. I'll see you guys in a sec. Okay, with that, we'll get on into it. Okay. During the day today, during the course of my Monday, I was trying to think about the range of outcomes as to what Monday night's game was going to play out like based on how the earlier games in the series had gone. The Rangers had shown clear, fundamental, structural issues. They are getting obliterated in transition in both ways. Going from defense to offense, they can't leave the zone. Going from offense to defense, they're letting the Penguins gain the offensive zone with speed. And it's making everybody's life more difficult. The Penguins are thoroughly controlling the transition game right now. And that's a real problem that the Rangers haven't had to deal with at points this season for a few reasons. Number one, when the Rangers' offense is working... It's the soccer-style counterattack that you're very familiar with if you watch a lot of Premier League soccer that the higher-end clubs use, where if the other team has possession, they're going to press them really hard to try and get the ball back and then go the other way with numbers with speed. That's what the Rangers like to do on offense. But because the Rangers can't go from defense to offense, I mean, they're spending 40 seconds at a time in their own zone with the puck below the goal line because none of their defensemen can retrieve a puck right now. It's really hard for the Rangers to get anything resembling offense. I, I know there's a large swath of people out there who spent the entirety of the regular season just saying, well, it's okay. Uh, the, the, they've got Igor. They've got the power play. This is the first year. They're supposed to be good. It's okay if they don't do anything in the playoffs. I said it two weeks ago. This is going to be the Rangers' best crack at it for a few tries because of the way the salary cap is shaking out and the way the contracts are currently set up for next season. I mean, 
it's early to start talking obituary for this team. They still have an opportunity to prolong this series at the Garden on Wednesday, but they're going to need an entirely different performance, a full 180 from what we saw on Monday night, because it's so frustrating. The first 10 minutes of the game, the Rangers got to every single loose puck in the offensive zone. Every single one of those 50-50 pucks they could get to to prolong possession in the Pittsburgh zone, they got to it. The Lafreniere goal, the one that opened the scoring in the game, only happens because they've pressured a turnover. They were in the Pittsburgh Penguins defensemen's faces. They weren't allowing Pittsburgh to break out of their zone cleanly. That sustained level of pressure in the zone led to a goal. It was nice to see Lafreniere on the board. One of, if not the Rangers' best forwards in this entire series. And yes, that's the 20-year-old in his first ever playoff experience having a good series. And uh, circling back around, let me let me try and do this in the order I had laid this out in my head. I tried to think about how this game was going to go. And in my head, I thought a Pittsburgh blowout or a Rangers squeaker. I think those were really the only two ways this game was going to go, and it was either going to be Igor stealing this game and the Rangers win a, a game where they're horrendously outchanced, both in terms of quality and quantity, and they still steal it because Igor's Igor. Tonight, they didn't have it. They did not have it. And a lot of this is pure, pure structural issues. The Rangers' in-zone coverage in the defensive zone has been horrendous all series unmarked penguins players have had the puck in high danger areas getting to the net and giving shesterkin a hard time and i'm gonna say this now all the casuals out there the people you know who you like you went to high school with who you know like the rangers who still use facebook and the hockey media who doesn't actually know anything about hockey is going to blame this on Shesterkin. They are going to go out and say, well, if he's the Vesna Trophy winner, he's got to make those saves, blah, 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 blah. Learn the game. I'm very, very tired of the casual hockey fan who doesn't really know the game that well, pinning everything on the goaltender especially in a game like that because a team doesn't score seven goals because the other team's goalie is bad, okay? A team scores seven goals because the other team is giving up ungodly amount of scoring chances. They are just getting pinned in their own zone for prolonged periods of time, getting shelled. And look, Ray Ferraro, who I very much enjoy Ray's work as an analyst. He's been on TSN forever. This year he's on ESPN because ESPN decided to care about hockey again. And he tweeted during the second intermission that, what would you like Shesterkin to do? Uh, Three of these are redirections or deflections off of things on the way to the net that he didn't have a chance on. And then the Crosby jam goal, it's a weird play. It happens. You can kind of live with that. And that only happens because Miller and Truba, not defending that high leverage area in front of the net mouth. That's been a problem for that pairing all season. As good as Miller's been in this series, he's still got work to do around his own net especially. And let's be honest here. The people you expected to make an impact in this series for the Rangers are not doing it right now. Adam Fox, I love the boy to death. Two of his jerseys, two t-shirts. 
He is my favorite player on the team right now, but that was about as bad a performance I've seen from somebody who I know is good at hockey. And it it's always true, especially this time of year when we get into the playoffs, that you know guys are playing hurt. We know Fox got hurt around the All-Star break. He wasn't great after the All-Star break, right when he first came back. Definitely looked a little bit off. He hasn't been good in this series, just flat out, especially in his own zone. He's still being able to make plays in the offensive zone because he's got that hockey IQ, he's got the vision, he's waiting for the play to develop, he can read that, but he's not where he needs to be in his own zone in this series, and it's been a real problem for them. The guys the Rangers shouldn't have to worry about, whether we're talking about Fox, Panarin, Zabinijad, Kreider, Truba, the guys who are supposed to be carrying this team because they make the big money, they're the faces of the team, non-existent absolutely non-existent and i was trading back text back and forth with a few different people who i'm pretty good friends with who know i was bearish on the zabinijad extension before they signed it coming into this upcoming season when everybody on the internet was begging the rangers to name him captain zabinijad's a passenger he's a very good passenger don't get me wrong you don't have 90.85 point type seasons like zabinijad's capable of if you don't have talent Zabinijad does not create his own offense. He's not fast enough as a straight-line skater to create zone entries by himself. He is not dynamic enough in his movements like, I don't know, say an Adam Fox to create plays for himself. Zabinijad relies on two things. His shot, which, yes, that's his best trade, his shot, and who he plays with. He's at his best when he has other guys to play off of and create off of them. In this series... The Crosby line has had Zabinijad in absolute hell, okay? There's no other way to put it. The Crosby line, 90% of the expected goals tonight in this game. Um, I'll be honest with you, Zabinijad was maybe the worst offender tonight. Him and Fox were just... You need more from those guys, man. Those are your best players, and they need to be better. And... I know there's a large swath of people out there who were just happy the Rangers made the playoffs. That, okay, they got in, they were better than they expect were expected to be this season. This is a learning experience. This is a terrible experience. Your veteran players who didn't look good against Carolina in the 2020 bubble still don't look good in these playoff games where you know it's going to be harder to make offense. And the kids are the only ones showing up. I mean, let's be honest here. The Kako, Hedl, Lafreniere line has been the Rangers' most consistent line through four games because they're the only ones doing the legwork. They're the ones getting to those 50-50 pucks. They're the ones generating a cycle, going from low to high, trying to create second chance, rebounds, the ugly scoring chances you need this time of year. And there's the only line that's creating offensive pressure consistently. Sure, the Zabinijad line might get an odd man rush here or there where Vitrano can fire a shot into the goalie's chest, or the Panarin line can fire a cross-seam pass to somebody who misses the net entirely like they did a lot on Monday night. And I get it. These are the guys on your team. You don't want to rag on the guys on your team, especially the ones who had good seasons like all these guys I'm talking about did during the regular season. This is what it comes down to, unfortunately. I talk about it all the time. I bemoan the lack of nuance in these discussions that we reduce everything to results in the postseason. 
And I hate having to do it, but that's the way sports work. You are judged on an 82-game regular season and then how you perform in four sets of best-of-seven series. Right now, all of the Rangers big-ticket guys, they don't look ready for this. I'll be honest with you. Fox has been rough. Zvinjad has been rough. Panarin has been rough. Truba has been rough. I, I, I want to try and not just rag on Patrick Nemeth, who has escaped my ire for the first 12 and a half minutes of this episode, but he won't no longer, and the fourth line, because that comes down to Gallant. And this Monday night was the first real time I sensed a little bit of discomfort, of displeasure with a dissatisfaction about Gallant as head coach. The first time I really saw it from more than just the the real hockey-obsessed people like me who, realize, who view him as an okay but not great coach. And Gallant has been holding the Rangers back in this series in a few different ways. Number one, it's very nice that he likes everybody on his team, that he trusts all four of his lines, he feels confident he can play them in any situation. That's not a real answer. That is a coach defending his players, trying to avoid putting the blame on anybody. It's a nice sentiment. It's not true, okay? If you realistically think you can trust Johnny Brzezinski, Ryan Reeves, and Kevin Rooney on the ice against Sidney Crosby, you are deranged. So when you say you can trust any of your lines against the Crosby line, you are lying. And I understand that coaches need to lie. They have to maintain trust with the guys in the room. If anything, they need to draw the ire away from them. And this is something I talk about a lot, especially during football season, is the good coaches know when to bring the attention to themselves and get it off of the locker room. That's not what Gallant's doing here. The team is performing very badly, and... It took him being down, I think, 5-2 to two going into the third period for him to say, okay, let's juggle the lines, change up the defensive pairs. That's not practical. And this is a complaint a lot of people, me included, had during the course of the regular season. His rigidness in his lines and his pairs was frustrating, especially down the stretch that last month and a half of the season when the Rangers were more or less playing just for seeding as opposed to trying to just get in the playoffs. The Rangers really should have tinkered with their lineup because right now they have no answer for stopping Sidney Crosby. And they don't know if any combination of their guys can do that because none of these guys have played with anybody else. We don't know how Cop would do playing with Zabinijad and Kreider as something resembling a shutdown line because they never did it during the regular season. We don't know what Miller and Fox would look like because they never did it during the regular season. The regular season is about finding the right group the right mix of your guys so that when the playoffs come around, you can have a few things to roll on. But right now, the Rangers have nothing. They looked hopeless in that game after the first 10 minutes. After the Crosby goal, they gave up. Let's just be honest here. After the Crosby goal, they did the, oh no, it's happening again, and it snowballed out of control, and the coach let it happen. I said it before the playoffs started. I wrote about it for Gotham going into this series against Pittsburgh. I said the biggest advantage the Penguins had was Mike Sullivan over Gerard Gallant. And it's ringing true right now because, again, I said this after Game 2, the Rangers are a more talented team than the Penguins. They are. Pittsburgh has one superstar, elite, all-time great in Sid. 
Jake Gensel is having a terrific series. In the regular season, Chris Kreider was better than Jake Gensel. Panarin was better than Jake Gensel. I would argue Ryan Strom might have been better than Jake Gensel. Adam Fox was better than Jake Gensel. And right now, Jake Gensel's playing better than everybody in the Rangers lineup. Brian Rust is playing better than everybody in the Rangers lineup. And what makes this so infuriating is we've seen the Rangers play good 10-minute stretches in this series. That first 10 minutes of Game 1 where they were flying around out there like the 2005 Red Wings, just kidding everything in sight, forechecking the shit out of them and giving their Penguins defensemen no room. Remember that? That seems like a lifetime ago, even though that was six days ago. They played really good for 15 minutes in the second period on Saturday night this past weekend, down 4-1 to to get it back to 4-4. to They did that really well. They came out really good to start tonight's game, too. They were out one nothing, flying around, getting the loose pucks, and they stopped. And I understand Pittsburgh made adjustments. The Rangers are allowed to make adjustments, too! I do not understand this. the excuses that are being made for this team right now. Well, the Rangers are hurt. Pittsburgh's hurt. Pittsburgh has an AHL goalie and doesn't have Brian Dumoulin. Who do the Rangers not have? Barkley Goudreau, Ryan Lindgren, Tyler Mott. Are we really going to pretend those are equal losses? The Penguins should be getting murdered in this series. They are playing an AHL goalie. Louis Domingue has been in the league 10 years and he's been on eight different teams and the Rangers are befuddled. What the fuck does Gallant say to them? Why do they keep doing the same thing over and over again if it's not working? And I know I'm going to answer my own question because I said this on yesterday's show and I said it on an episode last week. They're doubling and tripling down on what they know how to do because it's the only thing they know how to do because that's how hockey tactics work. There is no alternate game plan. There is no drawing something up on the dry erase board and changing the way your system works. The Rangers cannot get from defense to offense, so they cannot sustain any real offensive zone time because their offensive zone time is usually created off of the rush. If they cannot get into the zone with speed, they get one scoring chance and the puck goes the other way and the other team has it. They can't win a faceoff, so they can't get an offensive zone start that way either. And yes... There are mouth breathers out there arguing that the reason the Rangers can't win in this series is because of faceoffs. I know. I know Dominic Knorr, who knows better, who is on ESPN tweeting about, well, you know, fa- everybody likes to say faceoffs don't matter until they do. They're losing 7 to 2 because they spend 6 seconds in the offensive zone for every minute and a half Pittsburgh spends in the offensive zone. That's what it comes down to. I went and I pulled up the little natural stat trick chart. The Rangers created .99 expected goals at 5-on-5. The Penguins created 3.78. Ass-kicking. Not a, we didn't get some bounces, Pittsburgh had ass-kicking. There's no defending it, there's no excusing it. A listless, preseason caliber effort from a group that that is capable of playing good hockey. The Rangers bullied the Penguins in the regular season. They took three out of four. The one game they lost was a one nothing loss in Pittsburgh that was only a power play goal. That only happened because of a bullshit penalty. The Rangers are getting their asses kicked right now, and a lot of this falls on Gallant for an inability to adapt. 
He's not feeling the game out very well. He is letting Pittsburgh snowball their momentum. And the Rangers had time to get back in that game. They were down, I think, 3-1 to one with about eight minutes to go in the second period. 3-1 to one is doable. Then it gets to 4-1, to one, four minutes to go in that period. That's a lot less doable. And then... They pull uh, Georgiev. Excuse me. They pull Shosturkin for Georgiev. Georgiev gave him a chance. First five minutes of that period, that fourth, that fourth period, third period. And I'll just be honest with you. I picked the Rangers to win this series. I didn't think Pittsburgh would have anything for them. And Pittsburgh is doing this with one line. Okay, let's be frank here. We all understand how good Sidney Crosby is. Everybody who's ever even remotely watched hockey understands what makes Sid such a special player. He is dominating the game in every single phase. He has got Zabinijad in his back pocket like he's Virgil van Dyke marking a forward. He is pickpocketing Zabinijad in that zone. The Rangers' first line is getting no offensive zone time. And all of the Rangers' offense is being left to the third line in the power play because the top six is doing nothing. I know Zabinijad's got four points. I know Panarin's got four points in this series. I know Kreider has a couple goals. The top six is giving them absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. No zone time. No dangerous chances. At one point in the game, in the third period, I didn't look up if it finished true at the end of the game. The Penguins had 12 high-danger scoring chances. The Rangers had zero. The Rangers did not work hard. And we talk about this all the time. What is playoff hockey? What do you need to do to be successful this time of year? You need to be able to win puck battles, and you need to be able to engage your cycle. If you are only getting one or two scoring chances when you gain the offensive zone, you are not going to have the puck enough to create enough offense to win consistently. Sure, you might be able to win a game here or there, especially if you're playing a bad goalie, steal one, outscore the other team, and... That's what's so frustrating about this is a lot of people, me included, saw the possibility of this during the regular season, especially those first three, four months where it was just Igor hanging on for dear life every single night. And that was all the Rangers had. There was no, we're going to play good defense. We're going to be able to survive. We're going to be able to dictate play because we have talented forwards. For much of the season, up until that trade deadline in March, the Rangers were hanging on for dear life every single night, and Shesterkin was saving 94% of the scoring chances shot at him. He was a 94 save percentage goalie, and now he's playing like a goalie under siege. And I know the stupid people out there are going to blame Shesterkin for the series going the way it's going, and those people are wrong. Um, just tell them to their face, they're wrong. Goalies are the product of their environment. They're very similar to running backs in that regard, and that's why it's so hard for goalies to be consistent on a year-to-year -year basis because so much of what they do is dependent on what's in front of them. I mean, the first Pittsburgh goal, that's a jam play. Sid is banging into, into Shesterkin's pad. He pushes the pad and the puck into the goal. They give him the goal on the review. The second Pittsburgh goal, it happens because Frank Vitrano's floating. The puck deflects off of him, and it goes the other way. Shesterkin was in position to make the save, but Vitrano deflected it, and it went past Shesterkin because Shesterkin was moving to his left because the puck was coming from the left. It hit Vitrano on the way in, and it went to the right, and it leaked by him. Shesterkin, if he saw a clean... 
he makes that save 100 times out of 100. But the redirects and the deflections and the high to low kills the Rangers. The Rangers do not have the talent necessary to win this time of year. And I'll be honest with you. I will be very, very honest with you. I was against the Zabinijad extension before it was signed, when it was just a speculation that the Rangers and Zabinijad are in talks. That's already a bad contract. I'm sorry. I, I like Mika Zabinijad. He's a really nice dude. He's a really good hockey player. He's not that guy. He does not drive offense. He does not make his line mates better. He is a passenger. The Rangers are going to be paying a lot of money for somebody who needs good line mates to help him make offense. And the Rangers, we'll talk about the Rangers going forward on Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday if they somehow can drag it to seven. But I just don't see it. I really don't see it after that effort tonight. And I know the Rangers have been very good in the regular season this year in games where after a loss. In the regular season, they were 12-6-5 after a loss in the regular season. And that's part of what made them so good in the regular season was their ability to bounce back, put the game the day before them behind them. That was an ass-kicking. That was a demoralizing ass-kicking. That was the Rangers on autopilot for... 35 of the 60 minutes in a hockey game just going through the motions not really putting an effort not really making an attempt to get back in the game there's not really any excuses they didn't play well their coach is their coach looks clueless just being generally honest with you here Gerard Gallant is not having a good series he may say he likes all four of his lines he likes all of his pairs but your team is getting their ass kicked and you have no answers in any regards. You're not juggling the lines or the pairs. You're not changing your approach. You're not changing your tactics. You're not trying to do something different. You're not chewing them out. You're not praising them. Gallant's very much doing the, my boy is frozen. He hasn't moved in 40 minutes. That's what Gallant's doing right now. Every single time the camera cut to him after one of the Pittsburgh goals, he had a deadpan look on his face like the man was waiting online at the deli for his sandwich. Not a care in the world, not a clap, not a pat on someone's back, not a, all right, let's fucking go here. Just That's about as demoralized I've been after a Ranger game probably since they got eliminated in the bubble in Carolina. That's probably the most mad I've been after a Ranger game. Maybe ever, to be honest with you, against Carolina, because I realized that was going to be Lundqvist's last game with the team, and it kind of all hit me at once, and that's why I was so mad. This is a demoralizing loss. Like, this is the kind of loss that just nobody shows up on Wednesday. Look, can the Rangers make this a series? Can they win a game five, maybe a game six? Sure. I don't think they're beating Pittsburgh three in a row. Rumor is Tristan Yari might be on the horizon for Pittsburgh. Maybe the Tristan Yari of last year shows up and that buys the Rangers a game or two, but they've got no answers for anything Pittsburgh wants to do in any phase of the game. Uh, they can't win a puck battle. That That is, I think, the most damning thing about the Rangers the last 35 minutes or so of this game was they made no attempt to win any loose puck. Pittsburgh was there by the time a ranger started skating to it and there was no opportunity for the rangers to get back in the game because Pittsburgh smothered the life out of them I wrote about this last year during the playoffs uh, 
part of what made the Islanders so successful in their playoff run, especially in the series against the Bruins, was every single time the Islanders would cross the red line and dump the puck in, it would go below the goal line, they would forecheck, they would bleed 40 seconds off the clock. That's what Pittsburgh did to the Rangers in this game. When they weren't gaining the zone with speed because Sid had the puck, the other three lines were dumping it below the goal line and making Nemeth, making Truba, making Fox, making Justin Braun go get it. They would pinch up the side aggressively, make the Ranger defensemen switch sides, go to the opposite side where the forecheck was already waiting for the cross-ice pass to change sides. Forecheck's engaged now. Now the Rangers have to fight to get out of the zone, and the Rangers had no fight. They weren't getting open to receive passes to break out of the zone to try and get from defense to offense. It's a listless effort. That was an effort unbecoming of a team that had 110 points in the regular season. And I'm not going to do I told you so yet. I promise. I promise. I promise. It might sound like you think I want the Rangers to lose. You really might think that based on the way I tweet, the way I write, the way I do this podcast. I don't. I wish they would fucking prove me wrong. I wish the fucking team was good at 5-on-5. They're not. They're getting bodied by 37-year-old Jeff Carter, 35-year-old Sidney Crosby, and 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin. They are getting dominated at 5-on-5 by dudes who are in their mid-30s, by guys who have been in the league since the George W. Bush administration, okay? They are getting worked and have no answers. What was the Rangers' plan? Uh, Shesterkin saves every single puck and we win every single game 1-0? Because that's what it seems like right now. That is all the Rangers have as a plan is, all right, Igor's going to make some saves, we'll get a power play, and Zabinajad will hit it, and Kreider will tap it in. That's all the Rangers are fucking doing. That's been their plan this entire season, and now that Chesterkin isn't Jesus Christ between the pipes, they're in trouble. They have no solution to their problems right now. Maybe they come out and they win game five. They make it look respectable. They lose four games to two. We still need to have a serious talk about the construction of this roster. That we'll save for another day. Um, Real quick before I get out of here, it was good to see Florida win to get back in this series, make theirs two games to two. A lot of people very starting to inspect the Panthers with a micro a microscope with um, a magnifying glass. That was the expression I was looking to use there. They're really trying to pick through Florida with a fine tooth comb, trying to understand what Washington's doing. That's giving them a hard time. Florida needs to get speed, man. If Florida's going through the zone with speed, gaining the zone with speed, getting those cross seam passes, having their high-end players like Barkov, like Huberto, like Claude Giroux, having those guys make high-end plays, they're going to be fine. Similarly to the problem the Rangers are having, they're not able to play that low-to-high game, winning those 50-50 pucks, recovering them below the goal line, getting them back out to the point, looking for the rebound. That's the kind of hockey you need to be able to play this time of year. And we're seeing the teams that can adapt to the style struggle. And this is not me saying you need to be big and physical and strong. Patrick Nemeth is one of the biggest guys on the Rangers. He is also the worst player on the Rangers. He has given the Penguins multiple power plays in this series. He has given the Penguins multiple goals in this series. He needs to be bought out. Okay, period. Patrick Nemeth needs to be bought out. Okay, there's no excuses. There's no, maybe he needs another. 
he needs to be bought out. He's not an NHL caliber defenseman. I do not understand why the Rangers signed him with the logjam they have on the back ends. Zach Jones is definitely a better hockey player. If Zach Jones is not better than Patrick Nemeth is right now, he has negative value as an asset, and you can just let him go back to living in Massachusetts. Okay, Chris Drury? Ugh, God, that was fucking miserable. I really waited all day with some kind of tepid excitement that maybe they'll get it back to two games to two, and then anything can happen on Wednesday. I think it's safe to say I think they're cooked. They could very easily make this a series. I don't think that's the case here. I'm watching the Stars and Flames right now. I would really like my Flames to break through. They're thoroughly controlling play right now, but they still haven't been able to put one down. The Celtics got a great game out of old man Al Horford. That was very fun to watch. On the other TV, while the Rangers were making me want to kill myself, I was watching the last 10 minutes of the Celtics-Bucks game. That was pretty entertaining. The Grizzlies and Warriors are playing right now as well. That is how I plan on ending my night. Um, the Predators and Avalanche were tied last time I looked. Once I'm done recording the podcast, that'll go on the third screen. I need my computer available to record if I try and do multiple windows on my computer at the same time. My computer will sound like a jet engine, so I'm not doing that. Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know there are people out there who very much enjoy listening to my psychological anguish that this fucking hockey team causes. This episode was for you guys. It's going to be worse on Wednesday, guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow.